someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Notice what he says here. He doesn't give Jesus an invitation to come and and judge or deserve the situation. He says, Jesus, come and do this. I know what you should do. Now you just come and do it, he says. And it sort of seems like a reasonable conversation to, hey, I, I need my part of the inheritance. But watch what Jesus said back to me. Jesus said, replied, he said, man, who appointed uh, me uh, to be a judge or an arbitrator between you? It's a question he asked him back. And then he said to them this. Now, remember the, 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 the man's comment was, Jesus, tell my brother, give me my part of the inheritance. His response back was, hey, I'm not your judge, not my job. And then he comes back and he says this, and watch this. He says it to everybody who's listening. He says, watch out. Everybody say, watch out. Come on, say, watch out. When the Bible says, watch out, what does that mean? (laughs) Yeah, I know. When the Bible says to watch out, what does that mean? Watch out, okay? And that means that you're watching out for something that could be dangerous to you. Uh, watch out is not the terms you want to hear on a regular conversation. He says, watch out, be on your what? Guard against what? All kinds of... This is interesting because what the man was asking for would not by itself seem to be greedy. I mean, uh, my part of the inheritance or the part of the inheritance that's due to me, he doesn't give a lot of clarity, but at surface level, it almost seems like this is a reasonable request. But Jesus never addressed the question they asked or the thought they had. He always went to a bigger conversation. And so when you look at this, it kind of makes you wonder, well, what's next? Now watch what it keeps saying in the verse. It says, life does not consist in an abundance of what? Possessions. He says, this is the parable. He says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. Watch this. He says, I will will tear down my barns and build bigger barns. And there I will store my surplus grain And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. Now, what's interesting here is we wouldn't normally call a man who had prospered in this life a fool. We we, we wouldn't look at a successful business guy and go, he's a fool. We would look at someone like that and go, man, they've worked hard. They've been smart. They've made good decisions. We would think that that person was very intelligent in what they did. But the issue in Scripture, when you see the word fool in the Bible, it isn't always referring to someone who is lacking in diligence. It typically is a spiritual conversation. 
So keep reading the verse where he says, you fool this very night. So here's a guy who's planning on storing up all his stuff and living this great life. And then God says, you fool this very night. Your life will be what demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then verse 21 cannot be left out. And this is part of the conversation too. This is how it will be. This is, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Let's, let's all put ourselves in the crowd. The guy that yelled out loud was right behind me and you. And he yells out to Jesus right in front of us, and Jesus really never answers the guy. He goes a whole different direction, and he begins to create this scenario, this parable, this story about this guy who had a bountiful crop and by all measure would be considered to be very smart and savvy and prosperous in this life. And what's the shame in that? But all of a sudden, it hits a whole different turn and a pivot because he was focusing on spending time in the wrong place. See, there's two things quickly in this parable that we see. First of all, as we see in Scripture repeatedly, the Bible gives us clarity that we must live a life prepared to die. No one of us know the day or the hour. It's been said by many that you always repent the day before you die, which begs the question, which day is that? We, we don't know this, and so this parable gives us this indication that we should live a life very prepared. And the second thing we see in this parable is that the only way, and you've got to hear this, the only way, the only way to invest in eternal things with earthly material gain and wealth is by giving and being charitable in this life. That is how you store up for yourself a thing called treasures in heaven. The second thing we see in this conversation is the tension here that he had stored up in essence for, for the wrong place. He, he was prepared to stay somewhere he would not be staying and was unprepared to be somewhere that he was going. He, he had everything in the wrong arena. He, he's, he's a fool because he misjudged the question about life and death. He had it all out of order. And again, in the scripture, when you see the word fool, that typically is referring to someone's disposition toward God. In fact, Psalm 14 says the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. So this is what we're talking about. This guy had totally blocked God out of everything in his life. Hear me today, church. We're not occupied by this life. This is not what we're holding out for. My greatest days of my existence are not on this earth. We, we spend a lot of energy and juices focusing on what's here, what's right here, what's wrong here. I'm not made to live here. I'm built for eternal life with Jesus Christ. I have a different hope. I have a different home. And that shapes everything for me. And what was the cause of this farmer's bumper crop or bountiful increase? Well, Jesus said it. Jesus said the ground. The ground did the work. How dependent is a farmer on the earth? I wonder if Jesus drew a parallel because of the inheritance and the ground have something in common. The inheritance is receiving something that you yourself are the beneficiary of 
that you yourself did not particularly work for or earn yourself, true? That's an inheritance. And the Bible is clear. We should, we should endeavor to lay up an inheritance. No, no, I'm not pushing back on that. The Bible's clear on that. But when you receive an inheritance, you're receiving funds or resource or assets that you yourself did not work to gain. Who owns the ground? The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So here's the question. If God owns the ground in the farmer parable story, who owns all the things in your life? Is it possible to walk in here today or any day of the week or watch online and forget that the very fact you walked in here and that you breathe today is because God's been better to you than you deserve? Is it, is it possible to live your entire life and forget that every good and perfect gift comes from above? It's all about him. Your job is about him. Your family is about him. Your health is about him. Your finances are about him. Every breath you take is a gift from God above. We live today under the beneficiary of his goodness and his power and his love for you. We need to never forget how good God has been. Has anybody here today been blessed by the goodness of God in your life? Each one of us today are the beneficiaries of God's mercy, God's loving kindness, God's faithfulness. Don't ever, 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 ever tell yourself that you are where you're at today because of something you've done. Remind yourself that any part of your life today is because of who he is. Deuteronomy 8 says, remember the Lord for it's he that gives you the power to be successful. We were eating lunch this week and the waitress comes up and I said, is this free or we got to pay? She goes, actually, it's free today for you. I went, what? <laughs> she said, somebody done bought your lunch. I said, well, you're kidding me. So what did we do? We left an extra large tip for the waitress. You know Why? They were blessed, I was blessed, she was blessed. See, many people look at life like this. You want life to be a five-gallon bucket where you store everything up. You want to put it all in the bucket, hold it for one day. I would prefer to be this big piece of PVC pipe that God just flows his blessings through. I've always got my cup out. I've got enough to eat, enough to drink, enough to wear, enough to be sheltered. My life is good, but I'm able to bless, 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 bless. This five-gallon bucket, yeah, you can dip in occasionally. You can pull out what you need. You can store up in bigger barns. You can do that. But I would rather serve a God who supply all my needs, who can bless me beyond measure. I'd rather be a conductor and a conduit of his favor, his blessing. God, get it through me. I'll get it to somebody else. God, bless my life. I want to live a life as a giver because I I serve a giving and a generous God, and how much more can he do if I just open my life up? Don't build bigger barns, have bigger arenas, inviting people into God's blessing. Invite more people in, give more, sow back more, be extra generous. Whatever God's brought to you, let him get it through you so he can bless your life beyond measure. That's the kind of God that we serve. And you see that in this conversation. So it comes back to this tension in the story. The guy's request was not off the mark. Seems reasonable, right? But Jesus flips it. In fact, we see a similar conversation in 1 Timothy 6. 
The apostle Paul put it this way. He said, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in the uncertainty of riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things. Everybody say all things. Come on, say all things. Does that include some things? It includes all things, and all things include some things. Everything's in there. All things to enjoy. Let them do what? Do good. Let them be rich in good works. Let them be ready to what? Give, willing to share. Now watch verse 19 close. Storing up for themselves. What's that talking about? The same conversation in Luke 12, storing up something that's yet in heaven, a good foundation for what? The time to come. In this guy's case in Luke 12, that time was now. That they may lay a hold of what? Eternal life. Is it possible that we can think this is all ours and forget it's all his? If you drove to church today, you drove in God's car, not your car. If you slept under a roof last night, that was God's roof, not yours. If you're having lunch today, it's God's lunch. Everything about your life is his. Now, here's some good news. If you make all the blessings his, that also makes the burdens his. If he's God in the miracle, he's God in the pain. If he's God when life is prosperous, he's God when life is barely making it. He's the same God on the mountain as he is in your valley. Don't forget that the ground did the work. That's a life of gratitude. That's a life of gratitude. Number two, quickly, don't forget others. That's called generosity. Living a life beyond yourself. Number three, don't forget eternity. That's called preparation. Each one of us here today, at some point, there'll be a call made about our life. We tend to think about that as something that happens as people get older, but that is not true. As a pastor, I've done funeral services from the infant to the guy who was 99 years of age. I've done the gamut of services. But I can tell you this, at a service, I've never had someone ask that we read their balance sheet. I've never had somebody leave the service to go to be at one of their kids' events from the coffin. They, they have to stay in the coffin once they're there. I've never had anybody drive their new car to their own funeral service. And I've never seen anybody yet with a U-Haul attached to the back of the hearse. Everything that we have in this life will be somebody else's one day unless we invest it into the gospel. Everybody in the house, are you ready for eternity? Are, are you prepared to go into the next eternal moment with God? We, we use the phrase, meet your maker. Are you prepared today? Those online, those now, are you prepared right today to, to meet your maker? Secondly, are you living a generous life? Is everything that you have yours? Are you the five gallon bucket or are you the big PVC pipe? Is everything you have, is that in your control, your power? Are you hoarding and storing for this life or are you laying up treasure in the life yet to come? Let me leave you with two more thoughts and I'm done. Here's how I think you can be rich toward God because rich toward God is a value conversation. Rich means a value. 
God is rich in love, rich in mercy. That's a value he uh, dispenses upon us, his love and mercy. But I think you'd be rich toward God in two areas. First of all, your time. Give God the best of your time, not the last of your time. Anything I love gets my time. Anybody, anything, any, any, anything of value to me gets my time. Because I love it and, and I want it to have my time. Secondly, when you, when you talk about time, don't, don't just give God the last of it. Give God the best of it. Give God the time in the word, time in worship, time in small group life, fellowship, spiritual growth. Give time to grow your life spiritually. And number three, number two, you can be rich toward God, I believe, by giving God your treasures. Now, let me just clarify. God wants to bless you so that you can have a, a life that can glorify him. There's nothing wrong with you having, nothing wrong with you enjoying we just read this in Timothy's letter, we, that God gives you resources to enjoy life. That's in the Bible. We just read that. But don't continue to build bigger barns when the gospel needs to be preached across the earth. Because giving toward God is not about what's in your hand. It's about what's in your heart. And I would submit if times are tough, then you definitely want to be a faithful tither because that puts God's covenant blessing over your life. And you want to do, participate in God's plan. So without apology, I'm going to ask this entire church to spend the next month tithing all of us together. You say, well, I don't, I don't believe in that. So what you're saying is, is you believe that we should have a church, but somebody else should pay for it. And I would like to reach Chicago land for Jesus. And that won't happen for free. It won't happen for free. Anything in my life I do, I pay for I pay gym membership. I pay to restaurants. I pay for cars. I pay, I mean, anything in my life, I pay for them. We do that all the time. Don't think second thoughts about it. But when you come to church, don't bring up money. He just wants your money. What do you think Costco wants? Well, well, walk in next time you're there to shop and go, hey, I'm not, here for, I'm not here to get my money. I'm just here to get stuff. They call that thieving, and you'll go to jail for that. Do not take what you don't pay for. We get that everywhere at the church. Why? It's a spiritual deception that is keeping out of your hands an eternal investment. I can't wait to get to heaven one day. I got a reward. I've been investing since I was a little kid. I was never actually little, but since I was younger. See, here's the moral of the story. Life, at the end of the day, is not about our possessions. Life is about our preparation for eternal life. And I pray with all of my heart that you're today ready to meet God. And secondly, that you're rich toward God and you're giving.